So why is it that people come and listen to you? And people get wrapped around this concept of great content. And they think that what they need to do is they need to inform and they need to educate because a lot of people listen to podcasts for that reason, especially those of us who have businesses or some other, something else to sell behind our podcast is that we start thinking, oh, we need to entertain or we need to inform and we need to educate and nothing could be further from the truth. That is the absolute last thing that your audience wants. Education is out everywhere. We don't influence that way. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. Welcome, my friend, back to the podcast interview mastery show. I'm super grateful for you tuning into this podcast today. I really hope that today's episode is going to be highly valuable to you. But before we dive in, I wanted to mention that I've created a Facebook group called the Podcast Interview Nation Community, where we can support each other along the way to the top. If you feel inspired to join this community of dedicated podcast hosts who are serious about their show and aiming to become world-class, join the community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. I'm more than excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So my guest today is Jason Stapleton, who is an American entrepreneur, podcaster, business coach, and trusted marketing and brand consultant. He grew his first company, Trade Empowered, into a multi-million dollar brand as one of the largest and most well-respected trading education companies in the world. Six years after founding Trade Empowered, Jason started the Jason Stapleton Program, a podcast focused on economics and current events. Within 18 months, his podcast was the number one libertarian podcast on iTunes with over 30,000 daily listeners. Today, Jason teaches aspiring entrepreneurs how to bridge the gap between 9 to 5 employment and a life of true freedom, as well as coaching established entrepreneurs on increasing the influence they have in their market so they can maximize their profits and create a more abundant and rewarding life. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Jason's entrepreneurial journey and why he started his podcast in the first place. He talks about the importance of skill set, entertainment, and influence, the three elements podcasters should be focused on to become better at what they do. In the middle of the episode, we dive deeper into influence and interviewing skills. Jason talks about how you can become a more influential podcaster and interviewer and how to choose your guests deliberately so that you can increase your influence and build your authority as a host. Closer to the end, we talk about Jason's interview with Dean Graciosi and he showcases how he used his interviewing principles in his interview with Dean. 
If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, interview tips, book recommendations, and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Jason, and welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. Well, thank you so very much for having me. Yeah, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And I'm excited to talk about different topics today connected to how to become a better interviewer, how to create a better audio experience for the listeners. But before we do, I'd love to start this conversation with some of your current projects. So what are some of the things that you are most excited about today? And more importantly, what is the podcast that you host? Uh, yeah. Um, well, first, thanks for really thanks for inviting me on when you told me you wanted to talk about this stuff. I don't get I get a lot of requests for other other types of things dealing with influence and persuasion and and business building and that kind of stuff, but not a lot uh, dealing specifically with podcasting and 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 how to how to interview well. And so I I thought this would be that's why I said yes instantly is because it's something that I I, I I'm. I think is important for podcasters, but that most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about. And so, um, what I'm doing right now, primarily my mission is, is teaching people about this concept of nomadic wealth. Uh, I think that both our education system and the way that we interact and do business in the world is changing, and that change is be- going to become more ra- rapid and um, a- and more intense as as the years go by. And so I'm trying to get people to reimagine, especially younger people, what work could be. Because I think we get sold a line of what we're supposed to do with our lives. And I'm not sure what it's like where you're at, but in America, it's very much get a really good education, get good grades in high school so that you can then go on to a good college so that you can get a degree so you can get out into the world and you can uh, chase that American dream, which is to get a house and to get a good, steady paying job at a fine company where there's lots of upward mobility and that, uh, you know, find yourself a nice woman and get married and get a mortgage and have kids and all of that stuff. And I, I think for some people, that's really the right decision for them. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a massive number of people today, especially young people who are looking at that life and saying, you know, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if I want to do that. But nobody's really presenting an alternative to them. But there are a small group of people, uh, you and I among them, who are working on making our living, doing things that we love, and being paid to help others get what they want. And uh, we're doing that in a way that allows us to live anywhere we want to live, to do, uh, to live life on our own terms, to decide who we want to work with and when we want to work and, and, and what kind of money we want to make. And I, I started talking about this on my show. My show is called Wealth, Power, and Influence. The concept behind the show is just simply, hey, I want you to figure out how to have more of that in your life. I, I think that a lot of people look at wealth, power, and influence as as ugly things. And when you hear about it, it sounds like there's some some sort of crime show. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was I yeah. was looking at that. Yeah, right. But I I think that if you are a good and decent person who is trying to do right for the world and trying to improve the world in a positive way, that you should want those things in your life, and that we need more people in this world, good, honest decent people who have wealth, power, and influence. And so we focus primarily on the show. I talk about how you do that in your life. 
And, uh, and so it, it all revolves around this concept of creating a predictable and sustainable income from anywhere on earth. How do we do that? And so that's really been my passion project. I just released my book, uh, Nomadic Wealth. Uh, you guys can check it out at nomadicwealth.com. And uh, it's been exciting. It's been an exciting ride. Wow. So great topics. I was smiling as you were talking because I have the other podcast, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And on that show, we talk a little bit more about this concept and I invite entrepreneurs. So you would be a great fit for that as well, because there we go deeper into how to create this freedom and, and everything that you talked about when you want to create something on your own, you want to have this flexibility. That's just a great topic. My story is that I used to work as an architect and I kind of like started my own thing. And I started exploring this world about four years ago when I just had this idea. I was living in Germany. Uh, I was born in Hungary. I moved out so that I can earn more money as an architect. And I left here my family and stuff. And I was like, you know, I was living there and I asked myself, so did I move out to Germany to earn more money? And the important things that matter most, I just left there, you know, in Hungary. And that's how I kind of like started thinking about this flexibility and the online business idea. I kind of like went to university, but I have never learned how to focus on the things that really matter. So I was chasing something, something that wasn't that important than other things. I kind of like started focusing more on what's, what's really important. And now I have this flexibility, which I really appreciate. For example, when during launch break, you know, I just go for a ride or I do something, I go to the gym or something like that. So I really value those things. For example, flexibility. Most people would never experience that. They're they're going to constantly be beholden to somebody else, and their time is going to be uh, demanded from other people. And it's a it is it's amazing when people when when a guy or a girl starts to realize, oh no, I can be in control of all of this. I, I can I don't have to let somebody else dictate when I show up to work and when I don't work and when I take off and uh, you know when I when I choose to to relax versus when I work. Most people will live their lives being controlled by somebody else in order to get a paycheck. And uh, and as you said, you know what's what's great about being able to go on a lunch break and just take off, or or better yet, I live in Los Angeles here in California. <laughs> better than being able to take off on a Tuesday and just go to the beach. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I, I get to do that. I get to choose, and uh, and it's nice. If I want to take a week off or or an extended weekend, I just do. And so th- those are the wonderful things that you get when number one, you control your income. And secondly, is when that income is mobile, meaning I can go away for a week or a month or a year and still conduct business as though I was right here in Los Angeles. That's really, really, really interesting. And also, you know, getting clear on these values, what you value, what's important, and then create a business around that. I think that's that's huge. So I value flexibility, of course. And I realized that in Germany, so I kind of like needed to move out to be able to earn more which I was upset about and frustrated about because I was like, man, I have a master's degree and I'm just so underpaid here in Hungary. I, I got to get out, right? And anyway, I was wondering because you started this podcast, right? And I was wondering why you started a podcast because your first business trade in power was something different. And then you kind of like decided to start this podcast. So what was the motivation behind that? That's an interesting story. So I, I started a, a company that taught uh, traders 
specifically currency traders, how to make money uh, in the markets, and uh, which really comes down to them understanding a system that it, that works and then being disciplined enough to follow it every day. And and so the real the real issue that I was working with is is uh, is is working on trading psychology or the mind mm-hmm. of a trader. And uh, as my wow. business began to grow, I I had to focus more and more of my time on less on teaching and more on marketing and sales in order to you know to grow the company, mm-hmm. and that of course required a lot of work on on mindset and 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 conditioning and why people make decisions and all of that stuff. And I I had a real passion for that, and I liked teaching it to people. But as the years went on, uh, more and more of my time was spent doing business related stuff. And I'd spent a lot of time studying, uh, studying finance, studying um, central banking, and all the reasons that people made decisions and the effects that they had on an economy and on the world. And I thought, you know what, I, I kind of want to talk about these things, but they're they're somewhat political in nature. And I was uh, worried that I would offend some of my clients because I had clients in like 110 countries, and and um, I was really very libertarian in the way I view the world. And so I, I didn't want to offend any of those people, but I thought that my ideas had value and I thought that people would benefit from my experience. As, as vain as that sounds, I think all of us as podcasters have to a little bit inside of us think, well, what I have to share has value. And so um, I decided I would start this podcast and I would talk about these things. I would talk about finance. I would talk about politics. I would talk about all the things that, that, uh, you know, that I thought would make the world work better. And I was going to use current events to do that. And so I started this show. It was originally called, it was originally called the live show. And then I changed it to the Jason Stapleton program, and uh, and I I worked on that show for about five or six years. And so it, in, initially, when I when I launched the podcast, the idea was I want to teach people a little bit about politics and economics, but I want to talk about it in a way that's going to help them really understand why we ought to do things one way rather than the other um, by teaching principles. And so I had a series of principles on the show that uh, that I kind of lived my life by and uh, and I shared it with other people. And then I explained why it was the best way to live. And so that's that's why I started. I was really just trying to find an outlet for more creativity and more ideas that I had. Yeah. Wow. That's really exciting. And um, one of the topics I wanted to talk about, I mean, connected to the podcast now and then connected to interviewing and uh, creating a better show or a better experience for the listeners and have more influence, attract more listeners. Because as I've mentioned before I hit the record button, I'm doing this podcast because I want to help podcasters to be able to conduct better interviews and in general, create a better audio experience for their listeners. Because as you also know, more and more podcasts are coming out and uh, do we know how to do this properly? Do we think about it enough? Like I have been hosting the Mindset Horizon podcast for more than a year. And I was like, have I learned how to create great content for my listeners? I was mainly, you know, just following my intuitions. And, you know, I was thinking, how could I approach this interview topic with Jason? And you talked about this concept of how to attract and influence listeners in Podcasters Paradise Big shout out to Podcasters Paradise. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, maybe we could talk about this concept, you know, being a generalist specialist and then approach interviewing from that perspective. Talk about that pyramid that you talked about in those videos, you know, what it takes to 
attract more listeners. And the three big mistakes that podcasters basically make, because one is, for example, that you you've mentioned there is the show is about you as as the host, right? And I totally approached podcasting from a different perspective. Like I was like, you know, oftentimes I try to please my guests. Oftentimes I think about the audience, but I don't really think about how I'm going to position myself as an authority during the conversation. And maybe we could have this angle when it comes to interviews, like how do you conduct interviews with this in mind, with this concept in mind? Let's start about, talk about it like this. So we have to, there, there are two things that you really need to be focused on when you're, when you're doing a podcast. First thing is a skill. So are you interesting? Are, are you, do you have a lot of ums and ahs? Do you stumble over your speak? Do you, what are the things that you really don't do well in terms of a skill set of the craft? Mm-hmm. Now, the good thing about that piece is, is that's easily correctable with just time. So we just work on it. We listen to our podcasts and then we notice the things that we don't do well. And we're like, oh, I'm kind of like, I'm not very exciting. I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't seem to be like really motivated to do this podcast or to do this interview. And then you think about it the next time you do one and you try and improve on it. And so the first thing is the skill of doing the actual craft itself. Uh, and uh, you are going to, I, I talk about, I talk with my, my podcasters about like, man, how do you get over? How did you get so good at it? I said, mm-hmm. I did a ton of it. So I ran a live trading room for three years or for, I'm sorry, for six years where five days a week, I spent three hours a day in a live trading room, just talking to traders. <laughs> and I sucked at it when I started too. You're going to be bad when you start, but this is a skill. It's not a talent. So uh, speaking without ums and ahs and not stumbling over yourself and having energy when you speak, those are all learned skills. And so those are things that you need to work on. And I remember when I had first started my show, uh, I would be, pl- I would listen to this yesterday's show uh, in the morning when I, when I came into the office, cause I did the show five days a week and my, uh, my manager, my podcasting producer at the time, Darren, who worked for me, he said, uh, I think you must really love to hear your own voice because I would listen to my show every day. And like, man, <laughs> he, he really thinks highly, of me, doesn't he? And I, I said, you know what, man, here's the deal. I said, I really don't. It, it makes me very uncomfortable. I, I did a TV show for history channel and I did, there were five episodes of this, uh, this TV show and I never watched one of them because I couldn't stand to see myself on camera, much less listen to myself speak. But I did it every day because I noticed what things were working and what weren't. What was I doing well? What was, what was annoying, the little annoying things that I did throughout an episode that I needed to correct? And over time, I got better and better at it. So that's one of the things I tell people is we've got to work on the skill, the actual craft. Mm, well, the other yeah. side of it is the entertainment side. So why is it that people come and listen to you and people get wrapped around this concept of great content and they think that what they need to do is they need to inform and they need to educate because a lot of people listen to podcasts for that reason, especially those of us who have businesses or some other, something else to sell behind our podcast Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. we start thinking, oh, we need to entertain and we need to inform and we need to educate and nothing could be further from the truth. That is the absolute last thing that your audience wants. I love it. <laughs> what, what they really want, what your audience really wants is they want to be entertained. Uh, first and foremost, they are drowning in information. Okay? That We are in the information age. It's easy to get. It's, it's, they, they can go anywhere to find that. So that's not why they're listening to your show. 
They're also not listening to your show to be educated because again, education is out everywhere. We don't influence that way. Right? So if you are entertaining first and foremost, and you focus it around that principle first, you're going to do far better. And the second thing that, and the third thing, I guess, that's the third thing we're going to talk about is this idea of um, what does it mean? Why do, how do we have influence over our audience? Cause it's one thing for them to come and for them to listen. And if they're entertained, they might come back again. And if you've got a decent guest on, they might show up to listen to the guest, but why do they stay? They stay because you have influence over them. And what are the things that create influence? Right? There are really people will follow you if you do one of you know, basically four things. One is support their dreams. So what are your audience's core dreams and desires? What are their wants? What are the things that they deep down inside in the, in the recesses of their heart and soul do they really want but are afraid to share with anybody else because they'll be laughed at, because they'll be told uh, what their own limitations are, because, uh, because people will look at them funny, whatever it is, whatever that dream is, you got to support that in, in all of your content. Okay, the second one is justify their failures. Every single one of us has had failures in our lives and none of us really want to be responsible for them. And so the better job you do of both supporting people's dreams and justifying their past failures, the greater your influence will be over them. The third one is allay their fears. We all have them. The world is an ugly place, especially right now. If you look around us, all of the darkness here in America, we've, we're, we're dealing not just with COVID, but we're also dealing with riots and protesters. And it looks like our nation is on fire right now. And so the better job you do of comforting them and telling them, hey, the future is bright, things are looking up, you don't need to worry, the better job you'll do and the more influence you'll have. And then the last one is you want to help them attack their enemies. We all have people that, and, and I, when I mean enemy, I don't mean it in the dark sense. I just mean that whatever is keeping them from those dreams, whatever the perception is of what's in the way of that, you have to help them defeat that enemy. So it might be procrastination. It, it might be the fact that they've got, uh, that they need a promotion, but their, their boss is, it, it doesn't think enough of them and they need to create better influence with their boss. It might be they're in a terrible relationship and they want to be in a better relationship. Okay? Whatever that enemy is that's keeping them from the dream, you have to help them attack that enemy. You have to help them go after it. If you will do those four things, when we talk about creating great content, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the type of guest. We're not talking about the information that you're giving. Are you supporting their dreams, justifying their failures, allaying their fears, and helping them attack their enemies? If you'll do those things on your show that speaks directly to your audience, you will gain immense influence over those people. Wow, that's pretty powerful. I love this conversation because it's completely different than the others that I had about interviews. Totally different approach. I mean... Of course, it's not interviews yet, influence, but those things that you've mentioned, huge. So for example, when we think about interviews, if you keep these things in mind, you can incorporate these things in an interview flow or creating content. Uh, and I think about the audience as well. Like First and foremost, you have to know who your audience is. And I think for a lot of beginners, it's it's a struggle. How do you know? I mean, you might have a hypothesis in mind, but let's say you didn't get in touch with the listeners yet, and maybe it's one of the hard things to do. 
here's the thing. I, I think that we go about it the wrong way. So we we ask the question, well, who are, who is our audience? And I I ask my um I ask my clients to think about this differently. Think about who do you want your audience to be? Mm-hmm. So again, if we're talking about you know supporting dreams, justifying failures, allaying fears, and uh, and and attacking a common enemy, if we think about that. If we do those things for a specific type of person, that's the kind of person we're going to attract. So see, rather than trying to figure out who your, who your audience is, attract the kind of audience that you want by presenting them with all of those, all of the things that I laid out that, that make you magnetic to that kind of person. Now you're going to know who's on your audience because they're all going to be people who are in alignment with the, you know, your core, the, the core tenants of your show. And that alleviates you of the need of trying to figure out, well, who is this guy and what does he want? And like, you know, I, I don't really know because I haven't, this, the audience isn't big enough or I'm not really sure. We decide who we want to listen to our show. Um, it's one of the reasons that I changed my show from the Jason Stapleton program that talked primarily about politics and economics and, uh, and turned it into a show that talked about how do we, how do we take control of our lives and our income? Is because I thought when I created this kind of uh, libertarian show around free market economics and politics that that I would attract a bunch of people who wanted to take ownership of their own lives, who were interested in in uh, in in being self sufficient and and in controlling their own destiny. And what I realized was I'd screwed it up. I had thirty thousand listeners a day listening to my show. I did the show five days a week. Thirty thousand listeners a day, and I figured out I I figured out about four years into the show that I had attracted the wrong people. I, I, you know, half of my audience was who I wanted, but the other half were just a bunch of like political sportsmen who <laughs> loved to sit around and complain about politics all day long and complain about how terrible things were. And I didn't want people like that. I wanted people who wanted, who, who believed that they were in control and that they just needed help and support and, and guidance on how to get what they wanted. And so I changed my entire show. I lost half my audience when I did that. Wow. Best decision I ever made. But we choose who's going to show up by how we present our offering to them and what we, what we tell them we're going to do for them. Yeah. So, so what did you change? I'm just curious here because, so what did you change exactly connected to the show? Yeah. So it, prior to that, my, my idea was, Hey, these principles that I have. Um, and so fundamentally my, just so your audience knows what I believe as a, not just as a political philosophy, really as a life philosophy is that we shouldn't hurt people and we shouldn't take their stuff. Uh, we shouldn't aggress or, or force other people to do what we want them to do. And, um, and, and we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't steal from people. And I think fundamentally, if you agree with those two things, that we can create a lot better world for each other. If you'll agree to do that and I'll agree to do that, boy, what a great place the world would be. And so um, my political philosophy was largely the same. And so I talked about how we needed to, to start a movement in the country to change the political narrative. Um, it was, a, it, it was, it's a common, it's done a lot. And there were other people in the space doing it. I was just better at it than they were. And I amassed a massive audience in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but then I realized what, that most of these people who said that they believed in, in, in personal responsibility and in, in, uh, in, in taking charge of their own destiny, when I started talking about the, the way you do that, 
which is to take control of your income, to start your own side business, to, to really begin to try and make that business a, as, as mobile as possible, people mm-hmm. got angry at me. People were tired of me talking about motivation. Like, oh, Jason talks about motivation all the time and he's talking about business and he makes me feel like if I don't have my own business that I'm a bad person and all of this other stuff. Mm, And I said, man, I don't know. I don't know who on this planet doesn't want to hear about a motivational speech. Like I, I, dude, I, I need it still today. I I mean, I love it, even though I know that I'm just, I'm influencing myself by listening to it. If you're any kind of normal human being, man, you need that motivation. You need that support. You crave it. Yeah. (laughs) People on my show who were angry when I started motivating people, uh, I had wrong people. And so what I did was I told everybody. I had a Facebook group that had 9,000 private members on it. I closed it down. Uh, I told everybody we're radically changing the direction of the show. I'm not going to talk about politics anymore. Um, If we do happen to talk about it as it relates to current events, we will always take it back to what you can do as the individual. And I am going to focus all of my efforts on teaching people how to take control of their own income, how to control their own lives. And, uh, and, and, uh, and we're going to use current events to do that. And, And I did that. And like I said, I, it was a, it was an uproar in my little community. Um, there yeah. were people were bad mouthing me online. They were saying all kinds of terrible things. Half, like I said, half my audience left. I went from about 30,000, 35,000 listeners a day to around 15,000. And, uh, it was great because now when I talked about these things, everybody listened and everybody was on board. They were all in the right headspace. And now as, as the, our numbers are climbing again, everybody who listens to the show buys into the same concept and they're all there for the right reasons or for the reasons I want them to be there. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations on, on doing that and for the decision. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about, uh, your interview style, so to speak. So with this knowledge that you've shared, you know, about entertainment and influence, how do you approach interviews? How do you prepare or how do you, you know, what is your overarching host or interviewer philosophy, so to speak? One of the things I've, I've, been, I've been told multiple times by my listeners that they, they really like my interview style. And I just, I'm humbled by that because I'd never really thought of myself that way. Uh, but in terms of interviews, mine starts when I select the guest. Because I am so you know, specific and I do so few interviews, um, when I do, I, I get the opportunity to, to really kind of fine tune. I don't have to, what I'm saying is I don't have to take anybody I don't really want to talk to just simply because I need an interview. Uh, and that's, that's a huge benefit for me. And the nice, now that my show's a little bit bigger, I can, I can attract some bigger interview interviewees too. But the, the one mistake I think that podcasters make when they interview is that they try and make the interview and they center them, focus it all around the guest. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of this is that, okay, I, and, and so then of course they want the biggest guest that they can get, right? Because the idea being, <laughs> yeah. if I get this really big guest on my show and I just do an awesome job for them of letting them kind of showcase themselves and I fawn all over them and talk about how great they are, that they're going to share it with their listeners. Their listeners will come and listen to my show and then they'll subscribe to my podcast. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> But what actually happens? They get this really great guest on their show. The guest goes in and they promote 
that the show is coming out and they've done this awesome job of really focusing on them and, and just, you know, just gushing over them the entire interview and they get a really nice little spike in their download numbers. And then the next episode, they're back down where they were before. They, they saw no listener growth at all. Yeah. I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? Why, why isn't this working for me? Simple. You made the show all about your guest and no one knows who you are. See, people will come. If you think about this in terms of every every really big star that you've got in, in the talk world, so whether you're talking about conservative talk like Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or someone like that, if you're talking about personal finance here in America, we have Dave Ramsey, uh, or you're talking about uh, um, shows on television like Oprah, which I think do your, the, the folks in uh, where you're at uh, know who Oprah is? Yeah, Oprah. Yeah, she's she is very popular. She's a huge yeah. star, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Oprah is a kingmaker, but the way that she designed her show is that people really got to know who Oprah was. So it didn't matter who the guest was. Oprah could get anybody. She could bring anybody on she wanted to. And because there was such a close, tight relationship between the audience and Oprah, whoever Oprah said you need to listen to instantly became an overnight sensation. And so- mm. When we do our shows and, and I do my interviews, the very first thing that I ask myself is, okay, how can this person help increase my authority and my celebrity um, through the proximity that I create with them? So it might be, so for example, later on today, um, actually not today, it's on Friday, I'm interviewing one of my clients who has a podcast and uh, it, for that teaches little kids, that, that reads books to little kids, like old books that are being lost to, to posterity. Mm -hmm. And I love what he's doing. He's a cop. He's, he's doing, he's put in a lot of effort. The show is amazing. And he's trying to grow his, his listener base. And so I said, well, here, he's a private client of mine. And so I said, let's do this. I love what you're doing. I have no issue promoting what you're doing on my show. Let me bring you on my show and let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. We'll try and get you some growth that way. Well, of course, he's ecstatic about that because he's in, he's going to reach more people in that one hour than he's going to, he could reach in months on his own in trying probably, you know, six or six months to a year of trying on his own. But it has huge benefit to me as well. Um, he is very happy with the work that we've been doing together as my client and he is, uh, and, and I get to showcase, um, somebody who's I've been working with, who's doing really great work. I get to provide a, an interesting option for all of my uh, listeners who have kids who might be interested in, in, in using his podcast as a tool. A lot of homeschoolers who listen to me might be interested in, in taking it on as part of their curriculum. And so there's massive benefit, not just to him, the guy I'm interviewing, but also to me in showcasing what I've been able to do with my clients. Um, and so when I go after any guest and I want them to come on, I ask two, two things. How, how does this um, increase my authority in whatever it is I'm talking about? So for me, it's creating nomadic businesses. And, or secondly, how does it increase my celebrity through my proximity to them? See, celebrity increases when, we're, when we surround ourselves with people of note, we instantly raise our own credibility and our own celebrity. So, for example, um, Vinny Tortorich is a uh, is a guy who's on the Adam Carolla podcast quite frequently. He's a no sugar, no gluten kind of fitness guy. Um, I interviewed Vinny a couple of years ago, and uh, and and he's going to come back on the show to talk a little bit about how we lose, how we take care of ourselves in a in an era where you can't really go to the gym and work out anymore. 
Vinny Porterich is an instant celebrity and raises my credibility and my celebrity because he comes on my show and because we're on friendly terms. We chat on Twitter and all kinds of stuff. So how do I do one of those two things? And that's, that's what I think a lot of podcasters miss in the beginning is that you are bringing a guest on your show, not to highlight the guest, but to help increase your own authority and celebrity, um, through that interview. And you do that again by doing all the things I talked about before. And, and they're going to, if they walk away feeling like it was a great conversation, they're going to share. But when that audience, the audience that they have, that they have influence over, when that audience comes to listen to your show, the fact that you made it a little bit about you and you talked about yourself and your personality and you did a nice back and forth. Now, all of a sudden there's an anchoring there and some of that audience will stay and listen to you because they got to know you in that interview. It's so interesting. And, uh, I definitely approach this from a different perspective and, uh, I'm not even sure, right? So I, I'm not even sure, but definitely I didn't try to build my authority just in terms of, you know, inviting bigger names so that I can build my credibility as a host. But this is not what you're talking about. You're talking about something different, which is a little bit more than that because you are building your authority. So what you're saying is that the listeners want you, right? So that's the reason why they listen to your podcast even it's even if it's an interview show it's not about the guests right right they will they will come because of the guest that that guest comes with a with authority with their audience okay whoever that is big or small doesn't matter they come to your show with an audience and if they share the show they're going to bring that audience with them or a portion of them they'll listen to that episode because the person that has influence over them has told them to listen they only stay because they got to know you and you, you created a bit of influence during that interview. Wow. It's so interesting. And I wanted to ask you to give us one more example. For example, let's say you've interviewed uh, Dean Graciosi. I listened to the interview and well, congratulations. I, I really like the conversation, but more importantly, did you have a similar approach there? And if so, what was that approach? So I, I was lucky. Dean's team actually reached out to me. We had reached out to Dean about a year or so ago and hadn't got a big response. He'd been in a big transition as far as his business, uh, and, and he didn't respond. But apparently, they had been watching some numbers that they track, and, and my show came up as one that uh, was interesting. And so his people reached out to me and just said, hey, would you be interested in interviewing Dean? And I said, of course I would. I would love to. Um, but anytime I get the opportunity, again, when we think about proximity to celebrity, um, I want to maximize somebody like Dean. Dean is a massive name in uh, the self-help and personal improvement space, right? So I thought to myself, how can I maximize this interview? And so I said, well, when is the next time that Dean is going to be in Los Angeles? Because he comes through now and again. And they said, well, he's not planning to be there until May at the time when we were talking, which was several months away. But he said, you know, Dean's happy to do a, you know, a Skype interview with you. And I said, no, I, I said, I, I think that's great. And I appreciate him willing, being willing to do that. But I said, um, I really want to maximize this for both of us. I want to give Dean an interview that he can share that's going to highlight him and be a benefit to him um, and something that's going to be, you know, going to help me and my audience. And so I said, I said, what if I was to drive to Phoenix? Cause I live in Los Angeles, about six or seven hours. Uh, and I brought a camera crew with me 
and I brought all the equipment and we set it all up and Dean just had to show up and give me a video interview. Would, would he be willing to do that? Wow. And, um, and see, this is about over, it's about over committing when you have an opportunity like that. How many times do you get that chance to interview somebody who's that big of a name in your space? And I was going to spend whatever I had to spend. Well, nice thing was, was that his, uh, his guy came back and he said, you know what, that's, that sounds amazing. But he said, you don't need to bring a camera crew or even any equipment. He said, we have a television studio here. He said, just come down and we'll set it up and we'll give you the recordings when we're done and you can cut it all up and then you can use it. I mean, that was just a back and forth conversation, but it was me being willing to put myself out there and say, listen, if it costs me a couple of thousand dollars, do the, the, the celebrity and, and the authority increase that I get from that interview, uh, will far outweigh any cost that I incur from having to go down there to do it. Uh, and so we went down into the interview, but I, I approached his interview exactly the same way I would any other interview is that Dean Graziosi to me is an interesting character. Um, he's been through a lot. We have very similar backgrounds. If you watched the interview with me, uh, he and I had very similar backgrounds. And so I had questions I wanted to ask him personally. Uh, it wasn't so much about the audience. I knew that my audience would love what I was doing because I knew why they listened. Uh, but I wanted, if you listen to that Dean Graziosi interview, what you notice is I'm constantly relaying something that he did in his life with something that I did or so I'm, I'm making connections between what he's talking about and something in my life. And what seems like a casual conversation is really me building my own authority and my own credibility with anybody who listens to that interview, who's a fan of Dean, but doesn't know me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recognize that. And I was wondering, and that's why I, I asked you about this because when you said building authority with those interviews, I was like, I could pick guests who have similar stories so that I can share my own story and I can build my authority with that. So when I watched the interview, I was like, maybe you were very conscious about this interview by inviting him because you knew that he has very similar stories. So exactly what you shared. Yeah. And to that, to that point, I think that, um, Everything that we do, this is the most important marketing advice I ever got from anybody was from Frank Kern, who's a, a big internet marketing guy. Um, and he said, everything you say and do matters. And don't make it arbitrary. Anytime you're on camera, anytime you're behind a microphone, anytime you're in front of a potential prospect, a listener, uh, you know, a client, everything you say and do matters. So be deliberate about it. And so what I tell what I tell my listeners and what I tell people who, who come to me for, for help with their business or their podcast or whatever is I say, nothing that I do is arbitrary. Everything you see has a reason. Everything, every interaction that we have, everything I ask you to do, there's a purpose behind it. Uh, and every time I do an interview, everything is deliberate. Everything is intentional. Um, I know exactly what I'm trying to get out of that. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm better than most because I practice it and I make it a habit of, of doing that and making it feel transparent to the audience. Wow. Intention for an interview. I think that's a great ending because we're coming to the end of the episode and I want to be respectful of your time. I really enjoyed this because for me, it was mindset shifting. I hope for your listeners as well. We talked about different things that we usually talk about when it comes to interviews, which is great. And, um, you know, if I may, there was one thing I wanted to get back to just for a second. You've mentioned entertainment, so we didn't really talk about that. 
before when it comes to interviews. And I was wondering if that's something that you can improve and if so, how, because you talked about the skill set and entertaining your audience is part of that or how, how do you approach this? Entertaining is a, is a hard thing to identify because it depends on uh, it would it's easier it's easier to do if you kind of know who the audience is making a blanket you know oh this is how you entertain people um again going back to those four things i talked about earlier in the show those are things that will entertain people will hold their attention humor is another way if you happen to be a you know a a, a funny person um uh, but there are diff- even different kinds of humor so uh, if you listen to a, a Christian conservative or say a Mormon uh, or a, a, something like that, Mormon podcast, you, what's entertaining and funny to them will not be the same as somebody who listens to a Howard Stern show. And that's what's what they find funny. Um, I find I find Bill Burr, the comedian, to be absolutely the funniest man alive. And I there are some people who would be incredibly offended within three minutes of listening to him. And so um, I think when it comes to entertainment, what I would tell people to focus on is focus on telling story because story mm-hmm. is always entertaining and the better storyteller you become, the more entertaining you will be. And, and so whatever kind of objective that you want to teach or, or whatever it, you know, piece of information or education, because I know a lot of what y- your audience is going to do with their shows is interviews are going to be built around trying to, you know, trying to advance some sort of idea. Yeah. Well, the better job you do of wrapping that idea, that concept in story, um, the more entertaining you will be. We remember we, also the more memorable you'll be because people don't remember facts or figures or I bet you, I'll bet you your audience right now can't name me th- two of the four things that I said you need to be careful of at the top of the show, right? We don't remember those things. We got to yeah. write them down and then go back to them. But you will remember story. You will I wrap each one of those in a story and an explanation. You will remember that. And so the number one way to increase your entertainment value of your show is to become a better storyteller. I love that. I love that. I definitely want to focus on that too. And uh, Jason, it's been huge. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about maybe book recommendations or a podcast host or interviewer you would recommend to the listener to check out, to read, to listen to so that they can become better at interviewing. Uh, first of all, if you want, I, I, I'll give your, I don't make this offer to everybody, but if your audience would like a free copy of my book, you can go to nomadicwealthoffer.com and I'll give you a free digital copy if you would like. And and that'll be helpful in you kind of understanding uh, the concept that I really talk about on my show. Uh, and now specifically to books that have to deal with be better inc- improving your interview skills. I think um, Story Brand is an excellent book on how to develop a brand around stories mm-hmm. and how to do that. They, they've, uh, I can't remember the author of the book, but he's done, I've been to his website and stuff because I, I was interested enough when I heard the book to go and check out everything else he was doing. And he's put together a great program on how to, how to do that. If you want to pay him, you can, but the book itself is amazing. Um, really, really worth your time to read. Another one here, I'll give you an odd one for your, for your audience. One of the things that we really do as, as, as podcasters is we're trying to build tribe. We want a rabid fan base of people who are going to listen every time an episode comes out and share it with their friends. And we, we need like really true believers, right? We're trying to build that kind of influence and control over our audiences. Well, one of the things that I have done for years is study cults. 
I love studying cults. It's fascinating to me <laughs> how you can get these people, some of them to just commit suicide, to, to leave their families and to quit their jobs and to give all of their money to the cult. You're just like, these are normal, rational people in many cases who are uh, who just sell themselves away to this cult? How? Why? What? Who? Who has that kind of influence and power over people? And what are they doing? Mm-hmm. There is a book called The True Believer. It's written by a guy named Eric Hoffer, and he goes deep into what causes people to join cults. What are the psychological triggers that? brings them in, how do cult leaders manipulate them and use them? Um, and I'm not suggesting in any way that your audience manipulate or, or like abuse the people that come to yeah. them, but it is interesting to understand how it's done. What's the psychology behind building math movements and, uh, and, and rabid fan bases. And so that's the other one I would suggest your audience read. And I'm, I'm hoping those are two that they probably haven't heard of before. Yeah, um, thank you so much for sharing. I, I I can hear that you're very curious about this topic or excited. That's that's interesting. Maybe that's a topic for another discussion. You know what makes people follow something or have this influence. But before I ask my last question, Jason, what's the best way to connect with you further, and what's the best way to check out what you're up to? Um, well, the best way to, to connect. So if you want to know all of my, all of my places, Twitter, Instagram, all that, just go to followjason.com. You go to followjason.com. It'll list out everything you, the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTube, all of that stuff. And you can go and, and subscribe and, and follow me wherever you want to. You can email me directly, jason at jasonstapleton.com. Probably not the best way to get a hold of me because I rarely check my email. Uh, but eventually I'll get around to it. And then, you know, it, or you can, you can hit me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle, handle is Jason underscore Stapleton. And I do tend to respond to that in most cases. So if you, um, if you, you know, if you want me to talk to you about something or you're interested in something I'm doing, then you can hit me up there. Absolutely. And the links are going to be in our show notes and people can check it out at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. Yeah. And my last question is, Jason, what is your vision for your podcast in the future? I want, I want to build a large group of people who are interested in owning their own lives. I think that far too many of us live our live our lives um, being owned by somebody else. I talk about it's a very nasty way to think about it, but I think about I think about it in terms of wage slavery and time prostitution. Um, I, I think that that is a very ugly way to live your life. And for the anybody who wants to get out of that, I want to provide a place for them where they can come and be inspired and be educated. And be surrounded by other people who feel the exactly the same way because it is a very it is very difficult. You start telling your family that you want to quit your job and you want to develop a business where you can travel the world and live and work from anywhere and have no not have to have a home, so to speak. You know where you go to. Yeah. Uh, that's a most people will look at that. They'll be very scared of that concept. They'll be scared for you. Um, but the truth is, is that, man, all you're really talking about doing is owning your own life and being able to make whatever decision you want to make for you. And I want to help as many people as possible do that because I think that's what real freedom is. I don't think freedom comes from a political election or through regulation or through you know some government giving you rights. I think it comes from you having the wealth 
to make your own decisions and having that wealth and the income that you generate be as mobile as possible so that you aren't stuck in one place if you don't want to be. Look, if you want to live in, if you want to live in Tennessee up in the hills and that's your idea of heaven, then I want you to be able to do that. Okay? I don't want you to have to do that. That's the difference. If you want to travel the world and not actually have a home and just live, you know, rent houses all over the place, I want you to be able to do that. Okay? You, whatever your vision of your life is, I want you to have the money and the freedom to do that because that, in my estimation, is real freedom. And so that's what I want to help my audience do. That's the goal of my show is to find as many people as possible and to have them listening every single day. I love that. And, you know, I am grateful for the fact that, you know, we have technology and information available today. So just think of the fact that, you know, I am from Europe. I have this podcast. I conduct interviews internationally with this flexibility. I wouldn't have this chance if I if it wasn't for the technology and stuff. So it's just like, I am grateful for this fact that we have this thing, technology information available so that we can, yeah, make this vision a reality, I guess. It's incredible, right? I mean, it really is. It's crazy what the, 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 uh, and, and technology is changing so rapidly. If you talked about, I, when I started my first business, my, my trading education business, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of people in the U.S. and a lot of people who lived you know in rural areas where there there wasn't great internet and I also had a big international audience and this was in 2011. Okay, so I want you to think about that. It was like nine years ago. Yeah, when I would put upload videos via like uh, to to my website. Um, not only was it expensive to do that, to host videos on your own website or, on, or using a third party service, but the bulk of the people who came to me said, Hey, would you mind, could you let us download these videos? Because I can't stream these videos. Like you're sending them to me in what then was high definition, which was 720p, which really wasn't high definition, but that's the way they thought of it. And yeah. For most people, they couldn't stream that video. It kept buffering over and over again because they didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And now you think about where we've come in nine years. We've come from me having to let people download every single video that I put out because they can't watch it in real time to now being able to pick up my cell phone, click a couple of buttons, and instantly be streaming live from my cell phone all around the world, like just with a click of a finger. And everybody can get it. That the, the technology that we have is changing so fast and we are now able to reach more people. I, I, tell, I tell my clients and my audience, I say, this is the greatest time to ever be alive. I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty of negative you can look at, but think about the world that we live in. It's in, I, I can't, I'm so optimistic about the future. I'm so excited about where we're going and the technology advancements. It's going to be, make it easier for people to live that life that they want to live and to be free. Um, it's, it's really exciting to, I hope you can hear my voice. Like I'm, I'm really, really excited about it and I want to get other people excited about it. <laughs> I can hear that. Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, um, a very personal example for me, you know, I, in my professional life, I was always chasing international opportunities where I could speak English and somehow it didn't work out. So I moved out to Germany, hoping that I'm going to have an international job opportunity, whatever. And basically what I get to do with the, you know, with this opportunity, technology, information, everything that we have is that I work from Europe, but I basically have, you know, my guests for the podcast, for example, from the U.S., 
So it's almost like I'm working in the US. Well, it's not, but you know, it's kind of like I live there to some extent. I use the English language and so on and so forth. So everything that I kind of like, quote unquote, dreamed about, it came through with this. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, again, the technology and let's say podcasting. And it's just huge. Jason, it's been an honor to have you on the show. I I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, man. This was a great interview. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the Podcast Interview Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview Nation. If you want to check out the details, show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.